Welcome to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network, a show that streams health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. You can download all Kidney Talk shows from iTunes and find a variety of resources to help you navigate this illness at rsnhope.org. Please welcome your host, Lori Hartwell, who has lived with kidney disease since the age of two. Well, we're going to have a fun time today on Kidney Talk because we have Carla Ulbrich. She's the singing patient. And if you hear her music, you will crack up. We were laughing so loud here in the office that, I don't know, I, I think we all needed a break afterwards. We were so tired. She's a humorous songwriter. She's an entertainer and author of How Can You Not Laugh at a Time Like This. So welcome to the show, Carla. Thanks so much for having me. Well, Carla... Tell us a little bit about your background and, you know, how you became the singing patient. Well, I have been writing songs since I was a little kid and playing the guitar since I was little. And I would write about, I always write about whatever's going on in my life. But when what was going on in my life was lupus and the uh, other things that come along with it, because lupus can attack any organ. And for me, they were always worried about my kidneys, which is why Mm -hmm. we're talking today. Kidneys, they call it lupus nephritis. Um, yes. So I had lupus, lupus nephritis, congestive heart failure, stroke, and F, I was actually fired from my job for being sick, which I'm not sure is legal. I don't think it is. I can, I can, you can certainly find some good attorneys that could support you on that one. But uh, did you write a song about them though? Or are you the Taylor Swift of healthcare? <laughs> I'm the Taylor Swift. I don't know. <laughs> Wouldn't I have to be like a 14 year old prodigy or something? <laughs> Well, you know, you basically, you know, somebody, you, you have to break up with a doctor or whatever, and you write about them. I mean. Yeah, they're not all about romance and lack of romance, but it is it is kind of a singer-songwriter. Some people call me the medical weird owl. Okay. Because after my uh, stroke, I couldn't use my left hand, so I couldn't play the guitar, so I started writing parodies. So I had this whole collection, you know, where you just take someone else's perfectly good song, and write new lyrics to it. The El Yankovic of healthcare. Weird El Yankovic. But it's all, they're all medical songs because it was all just my way of venting about everything I was going through because at that time I had no insurance because I'd lost my job for being sick. So I got like the bottom rung of healthcare, which is just above nothing. Right. You have to basically, you know, go sit in clinics and wait for healthcare and. It's a scary thought because, I, you know, I was looking at your bio here and you've had a stroke. Now, you had kidney failure. Were they able to get your kidneys to kick back in? Yes. Okay, because I've had a couple of friends that have had that happen and, you know, it's more of acute. But, you know, it's on the radar that the kidneys are being targeted by the lupus, which is frightening. Yes, and I've met several people with lupus who have had the kidneys, you know, you look in the you look in after you pee and it's just all bubbles and foam and you're like, oh, my God, it looks like I've just poured toilet cleaner in there and it, that's my urine <laughs> but it's the protein leaking out and the number of us with lupus have found that if you can get the lupus under control the kidneys come back I, mean, I never got way down there's like a critical point somewhere around where you're only functioning at 20 percent where they'll put you on dialysis uh, and yeah. I was more at the worst point around the 30 percent it's not oh. really like a perfectly accurate. They're probably talking about your GFR. And yeah, you can get listed on the transplant list if your GFR is 20 or below. And then people usually go on dialysis between 10 and 15. Um, it, you know, some people wait a little longer. Like <clears throat> I, I went on at nine when I had to go back on dialysis. But uh, 
luckily I got my fourth transplant and it's uh, going strong. It's the best kidney I've ever had. So I have to tell you, I cracked up at your songs. And do you have a favorite song that you like, that you wrote, that just resonates with you? Well, I'll tell you the song that is my most popular is <laughs> What If Your Butt Was Gone. <laughs> now, tell us how you came to write that song. Well, weirdly, this is a parody of one of my own songs. The original song that I wrote was What If Your Girlfriend Was Gone, kind of this psychotic love triangle song about, you know, what if she just happened to die? Well, would you come back to me? And I was getting super skinny because, you know, the lupus will make you lose weight, and I didn't realize I had congestive heart failure, so my legs were like, you know, the big cankles and the giant feet, and I had to wear the, I wasn't living in South Florida, too, and it was a summer, it was so hot, and I had to wear the compression hose all the way up to my belly button, not just up to the knee, but all the way up, because if I only wore it up to my knee, then my thighs would be filled with water. Oh, my God. You know, so I had to get it all the way up to the level of my kidneys so that they could push the water back out, and I was also on diuretics, so I, I had lost more weight than I realized, because I was weighing, like, you know, 120 pounds, but then when all the water came out, I actually only weighed about 90 pounds. Oh, wow. And I had no butt. I was so like, <laughs> I, I couldn't sit down. I was like sitting right on my tailbone. So it was really, really uncomfortable. And I know people were like, not everybody's sympathetic because everybody's like, I wish I'd lose my butt. But you know, it's just not that. I would say the butt is always greener on the other side. It is. No, isn't that true? That's so funny. One of my favorite songs is I'm resonating with it right now is sitting in the waiting room. And I love that song because it's, you know, tell us a little bit about it. I don't want to give away your... You have to go from specialist to specialist when you have mm -hmm. lupus and anything serious. That the care is so disjointed. You have to see at one point I've seen the hematologist, the nephrologist, the neurologist, the rheumatologist, and my GP. And then I was also getting alternative care. So I was seeing the osteopath and the acupuncturist. And the acupuncturist and the, the collation guy, they, they ran on time. But everybody else, it was really not uncommon for me to have an appointment at 1 and not see them until 3. That was, I just started right. bringing a picnic basket in my song idea notebook. And <laughs> somebody started making me mad, I'd write a song about them. And then I realized, ooh, I sure do have a lot of songs about doctors. Well, you know what? Let's play a clip for everybody. Okay. So over and over, I'm Now, that is so funny because I have to tell you the story. Yesterday, I had to make an appointment with a urologist, and his name is Dr. F-U-C-H. Now, I don't know how I'm going to really say that. I mean, I guess it's Dr. Fook, but, um, you know, I'm like, really? <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I'll, I'll laugh when, I mean, you know, you have to find the humor where you can, but I'm like, Dr. Fook, and then I had a doctor named Dr. Hurt, an eye doctor. Oh, I would so legally change that if that were me. <laughs> I know. And I mean, my last name is Hartwell, so I really should be a cardiologist. Um, that's like the best name for a cardiologist. And then one of my other favorites, and maybe you can tell a little bit about this and set it up, is 
And because I am the hardest stick ever. I mean, you know, they'll use four or five IV nurses to. And so it's, I'm happy to be stuck by you. So please tell us about that and how you came to write that song. Oh, my kingdom for a good phlebotomist. Well, here's my couple of things. Never let the doctor stick you. Because <laughs> they are out of practice. Get the phlebotomist, that's all they do all day long. And the doctor was trying to stick me. And the other rule is two sticks and you're out. Mm-hmm. You get two tries, and then you have to go get someone else. That's people who are IV specialists know that because then, then they're psyched out, and they just keep making more mistakes. So it's like baseball, only it's only two strikes, and then go get someone else. But the doctor just kept sticking me after the fourth stick. I put my arms behind my back, and I'm like, I think you need to give up. And she was like, oh, Carla, I'll never give up on you. And I'm like, I mean, you need to give up on you. <laughs> sticking this needle in my arm because it's not working. But yes, a good phlebotomist is worth their weight in gold. And sometimes if you have little tiny veins, you can ask for the pediatric phlebotomist or get that butterfly needle. It's a lot smaller. Well, I have to tell you, when I was in the hospital, it was, uh, they were having a difficult time getting an IV in me. And this angel nurse came in with a Doppler and just put the IV right in, and that IV stayed in for a week. I've never had an IV in for a week. And she put it in the upper part of my arm over where they draw your blood kind of in that um, vein spectrum. And literally, they're like, we have to pull it to change it. And I'm like, no, you're not taking this thing out. But, um, it, you know, it's, it's amazing because uh, now I hope that everybody can get a Doppler instead of an IV nurse or in addition to an IV nurse. It works wonders. One stick and that was it. Well, you know, if it's, uh, we'd like to just hear a little bit of um, I'm Happy to be Stuck by You and uh, let's play it. I needed blood Given intravenously After four tries I told them to give up on to say that that tune will not go out of my head whenever I am getting an IV. I am happy to be stuck by you. And I think when I go to transplant clinic again, there's one guy um, that always sticks me. And I think I'm going to give him a little pen that says, I'm happy to be stuck by you because he never misses. And that's such a gift when you've been beat up with your veins. Yeah, you don't always have a chance to say thank you. So if they're listening, thank you. Yeah, thank you, because you didn't know it was going to last a week when they put it in. <laughs> I know, I really thought about, should I send her flowers or something? Because, you know, I wasn't beat up. And, you know, when you come out of the hospital, you look like you've been in a fist fight, usually. 
and that you didn't win. So um, it's pretty, pretty interesting if uh, um, you're able to find somebody who can stick you. Now, one of the things that is really difficult when you have an illness is all the medicine you take. And I mean, at one point I was on like 16 different medications. Now I'm only on about six, which is wonderful and they're all pretty simple to take. But the one drug that is horrific, you know, that people don't understand, I'm now used to it, is prednisone. And I understand with lupus, you guys, you know, people with lupus have to take a lot of prednisone. Luckily, I don't have to take that much. So tell us a little bit about some of your experience with prednisone. Well, prednisone, that is kind of the first line of defense for lupus. It was the first drug they came up with to treat lupus. 50 or 60 years ago, there was nothing. So if you got lupus, you would die. That was just Mm -hmm. it. So I had this love-hate thing with prednisone because I'd be dead with it. If I hadn't had prednisone, I would Mm -hmm. be dead. But I had every side effect and I think a few extras. And so I had this love-hate relationship with prednisone. And if you ever accidentally bite a pill, it's the most disgusting. It tastes like Ajax. (laughs) Yeah, no, if you don't get those, I have to take five milligrams a day now, which is minimal. But if it just happens to hit your tongue wrong, oh my goodness, you feel like, yeah, it's a bitter taste. I never thought of Ajax, but thank you for that visual. That's really wonderful, Carla. <laughs> How am I going to get this out of taste out of my mouth? And you know, they could make it taste, I think I'm going to, if I ever have to go on it again, like ask for the flavored. Oh, they have flavored? Because you, you commit oral suicide when you take one of those pills. <laughs> yes, oral suicide. I just came up with that. Sorry, I'm trying to be funny here. Cat was on prednisone, and his was cherry flavored, so I know it's possible. Oh wow. Okay. Well, I guess they just think we swallow it and we don't have to worry about it. But I remember when I was on high doses of prednisone, which you allude to in your song, I looked like a balloon with a string on it. I was so tiny, and I had this big fat face. And I guess the only other thing that you know it helps is it takes all the wrinkles out. But then when that prednisone dose comes down then they all kind of pop up. <laughs> got stretch marks. I have stretch marks on my neck because my neck was so swollen up. I had like a triple chin from prednisone, a big moon face. It's just, I posted some pictures on my blog. I, I was like, I cannot believe I'm doing this. Why am I doing this? This is like something they would do on the National Enquirer. <laughs> Look at this woman with the huge face. But I put it on my blog because I'm like, I put it before, like here's my normal face. Here's my face on prednisone. Any questions? Yeah. Because I wanted to see how, you know, I needed people to really get it like how hard this is on your self-esteem you have to go out in public because you got to go to your appointments and people don't know this isn't really you it's temporary but oh I just wanted to put on a burka I remember once when I was on high doses my mom was cooking some liver and I hated liver I couldn't even stand it but that looked like the best meal ever I mean, it was just disgusting what I would eat when I was on prednisone because I didn't care. I just wanted to feel that hunger pain. No, I don't know what is up with that. And I had, I gained 10 pounds the first week. Well, and it's a lot of it's water, but you know. Well, we're going to play a little clip from the prednisone song. And here we go. Prednisone will make you get real fat. Prednisone will give you cataracts. Prednisone, it will destroy your bones. So take some prednisone. Destroy your bones today. Prednisone, your moods are up and down. Prednisone, your face is big and round. Prednisone, we'll mess with your hormones. So take some prednisone, spend your life alone today. Now, 
Carla, I have to tell you, you're so creative and, you know, you're such an incredible writer. Um, tell us a little bit about, you know, you speak, you have a book. Um, tell us a little bit about your book. How can you not laugh at a time like this? This is the book. What I, My goal in writing this book was create the book I wish somebody had handed me 20 years ago when I was diagnosed. I wanted to make things easier for the people behind me to give them some ideas of that their doctors aren't going to either think of or have time to talk to them about because, you know, doctors can only talk to you for eight minutes and then they start losing money. So this is sort of like you and me talking now. It's very conversational. The chapters are very short because I know how you have, like, low attention span when you're on 16 drugs. And it's humorous. It's just a bunch of humorous essays, but it's what I learned. It's everything I learned. I tried everything and made myself into a human guinea pig because... I was on nine drugs, plus chemo, plus transfusions, and I am now on zero lupus drugs. I'm actually able to totally control my lupus with diet and rest and happiness. Happiness <laughs> is very important. Yes. You've got to be humor. chronically happy. Yes. <laughs> and so it's, it's kind of how I did it and everything I tried and the stuff that worked and the stuff that didn't work. And the favorite chapter everybody quotes out of this book is the top ten annoying things to say to someone who's just been diagnosed. <laughs> oh, like give us one of them. Uh, well, I knew someone who had that. She died. <laughs> or that look of pity, like, I'm so sorry. I hope that, I mean, that's the one. Like, I'm so sorry. Like, but it's like the expectation in their eyes is like, you're not going to make it. Oh, man. <laughs> and, I mean, maybe you can write a song about this because, you know, one of my sayings is, you know, my kidneys failed, not my brain. <laughs> because, you know, when you have an illness, you obviously must be stupid sometimes. People treat you that way. Uh. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, you have to look at the bright side and humor is such a great defense. But one thing I want to ask you is that, you know, is about humor, but what do you do when the times that you're down? Well, a couple of things. I write a lot. For me, that's a big coping thing. I just write, 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 write. I've read the book, The Artist's Way, and it taught me to free write, which is just getting up and just writing without stopping, just whatever's on your mind. And it helps me vent because a lot of people who are close to you are so upset by what you're going through, they can't also listen to you. Mm -hmm. And so there's nowhere safe to go. So for me, the notebook is like I can say anything I want. I can use swear words. I can... <laughs> just, you know, vent, 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 and no one's going to be like, stop screaming at me, or, oh, you're still up. Somebody said this to me once. They're like, why don't you just get over it? And I'm like, uh, chronic illness? Why don't I just get over it? Um, <laughs> Wish I could. <laughs> think about that for a minute. <laughs> well, you know, I find people do the same type of writing, but they post it all on Facebook. And, you know, it's like that's their diary. And I have mixed feelings. I mean, you know, it's good to let people know how you're feeling, but I much prefer a uh, journal. And <laughs> because a lot of people, you're putting yourself out there and some people are going to come back with some of those top 10 annoying things. Like, why don't you just get over it? Why are you still writing about this? Is this contagious? Um, how did how did you do this to yourself? That's a lot of people try to mm -hmm. blame the victim. Like, you know, well, you must, I actually had people say this to me. You must have hidden sin in your life. Oh, yeah. The yeah. devil's attacking you. You know, so I don't put all this stuff on Facebook because it's asking. It's just asking. It's opening myself up for attack from people right. who don't understand. 
And they, the reason they attack, they don't do it to be mean. It's just because they were afraid. Right. That it's, it, if it could happen to you, my, oh, my God, it could happen to them. So it's the same thing that people do when someone gets attacked. They're like, well, they shouldn't have been in that neighborhood. Or, or a girl gets sexually assaulted. I'm like, well, her skirt was too short. You know, they blame the victim because they want to believe it couldn't happen to them. Right. So that's why I don't post all that stuff on Facebook. And also, I don't want my disease to be my identity. There's a lot more to me than a, a diagnosis. Exactly. So, I, people make their own choices and, and live with the consequences, but that's the reasoning behind my choices. Well, and it's it's like if people, you know, on Facebook or different social medias, and I, I don't, you know, on Facebook, I always try to keep posting things that are kind of general. I mean, I, you know, if people post a political thing, you're going to alienate half the people. And they're supposed to be your friends. They're Facebook friends. So, I mean, so it's kind of interesting. I'm like, well, I'm supposed to be your friend. Obviously, I've never met you. And it's that invisible Facebook friend that they talk about. But, um, you know, it, it's, it can be offensive in any way. So I try to keep it like, what would I want to say at dinner? <laughs> Whatever I post on Facebook with my friends around the table. And I think, you know, because it is, it's, it's, uh, um, you know, you don't want to put too many things out and then people lose expectations of you and then they don't want to be around you because they're like, oh my God, I don't know how to handle this sick person. And it's a reality. It's difficult for people to be around people who are ill if they haven't, you know, especially when you're younger. When you're younger, it's really difficult because um, when I was a teen and on dialysis, it's like, I was dealing with this serious health issue and they were trying to get a date. So we like never related. And, and so you have to pick your friends. That's really what it what it comes down to and share with your health issues with the people that care about you. And I lost some friends when I got sick. I, I imagine I'm not at all alone in that, that people just disappeared. And in a way, it was like, well, it called out all the people who were conditionally friends. Conditionally. Well, I always say, you know, I've been married for 16 years to a wonderful man, and I really say that my illness kept the jerks away from me because there were a lot of, you know, guys that, you know, we were, but they couldn't handle, they couldn't handle the illness. And I look back and I'm like, oh my goodness, they just, you know, and, and I took quote, quote, Rita Rudner, you know, they left skid marks when they heard out you had an illness and it was difficult, you know, but at the end of the day, I met the best guy and we've been married 16 years and he has great health insurance. I mean, that's my definition of a real man is what kind of health plan does he have? And, um, and it's, it's, you know, it all worked out at the end, but you know, it can be difficult when you're, you know, when, what does it say? When one door opens, another one closes, but it's hell in the hall. And for a long time I was in the hall and did not know where I was going or, um, my claim to fame, Carla, is I almost married a gay guy for their insurance. Oh, um, because that was a close one. I know. I mean, it was a friend of mine and I couldn't get health care because of, you know, the pre-existing condition. And I had a transplant, which the drugs were extremely expensive. And I was in that gap after three years of losing your Medicare. And so I was able to get a job that had insurance, but um, that was plan B and it made me happy. So, I mean, I ha you have to do what you got to do. But tell us a little bit about your website and where you're performing and how we can get your book and your CDs. Well, everything you need to know is on thesingingpatient.com. Okay, thesingingpatient.com. Yes, and there's a link there. You can buy the book there or you can buy it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, whatever. All the links are there to all the different places where it's available. 
as well as all the places you can buy my CD and uh, some of my lot. I think I put all of my medical songs on YouTube because those are my most requested songs. Okay. Just go to iTunes and look up The Singing Patient or do you look up Carla Ulbrich? You would look up Carla Ulbrich because okay. that's how I, I published the record as Carla Ulbrich. Okay. So if you can't spell my name, just go to thesingingpatient.com and find my name <laughs> and then go to iTunes and look for it. But yeah, because Ulbrich is it's U-L-B-R-I-C-H. Well, we've, we've, uh, we've downloaded them. They're a lot of fun and uh, Perhaps maybe someday we can get you out to one of our events out here in Los Angeles. But keep up the great work, Carla. You're a real joy, and I love your sense of humor. And I'm sure we would go out and have lunch, and it would be a very long lunch. So look forward to that one day. Okay. All right. Have a great day. You too. Thanks for listening to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network. Please make sure to find us on Facebook or sign up for our newsletter at rsnhope.org. Kidney Talk is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own health care provider regarding your medical condition.